Hello and welcome to the podcast series Raw Talent with me Fiona Abrahams where I'm deep diving behind the scenes into the careers, aspirations and inspiration of the many skilled and talented individuals who enable the fashion and creative industries to feed our passion for clothing and product. Throughout this podcast series I will be reaching out to the global community, exploring the industry through their eyes, asking people to share insights about the work they do, how they got started, their most compelling experiences, the trials and tribulations they have faced and overcome, who they have met along the way, the lasting friendships formed, the part culture plays in the work they do, and their thoughts on their futures and the future of the industry as we navigate the coronavirus pandemic. Welcome to Series 2 of Raw Talent. As promised in Episode 2 of Series 1, we are continuing the conversation with Konstantinos Sikos, deep diving into his vision of how the fashion landscape will look as more industries reawaken and adjust to a new pandemic-based normality, how large-scale retailers and brands are being disrupted and will need to embrace innovation and collaboration to survive, and how a more discerning consumer has been emerging in the last few years, sparking a wave of small independent brands on a mission to drive sustainability and a point of difference by offering a more considered product. Welcome back, Konstantinos. Hi, Fiona. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Good. It's great to have my, my coffee with you virtually over Zoom. I know, on a Saturday morning. On a Saturday um, morning, which the weather is good and I'm having yeah. my cold coffee, you know, you, you can't take away the Cypriot, <laughs> you know, I have no. to have my cold coffee. <laughs> As you know, I've given it up, so I'm not actually you have. any yes. caffeine, which is quite something. I'm doing, I'm doing lemon water in the mornings and half an hour later I'm doing celery juice. <laughs> That's amazing. You don't want to, you don't want to see me without coffee. <laughs> <laughs> you don't. Oh, you I have do to not. say it's, it's a different way of functioning, not having coffee, not having caffeine. But I and guess while we're all working from home, it's doable. Yeah, I'm actually scared to try it. <laughs> I'm not surprised. I think a lot of people are. But it has been um, very enlightening is, is what I'll say about it. So, uh, yes, Amazing. I definitely feel like a new person. <laughs> Amazing. You look great. <laughs> oh, thank you. So now that the cat's left us and we're not going to be interrupted with um, crazy cat attention, I'm going <laughs> to lead into um, sort of where we left off, basically, in episode one. Um, so you had lots of post-COVID-19 theories and we're now approaching this point where the industry is starting to reawaken, the stores reopen this week. Um, how have your thoughts evolved since we last spoke in May? Yeah, as you said, we've started seeing um, some reaction coming through, right? Um, yeah. The shops have opened here in the UK this week, but they've been open for a couple of weeks now abroad, especially yes. Southeast Asia, China, Korea. Um, it's interesting to see how consumers have reacted or are reacting to this. 
um, I mean, we, we saw, I don't know if you've heard this terminology called uh, this revenge buying or revenge spending coming yes, out of South Africa, which, is, which is hilarious. hilarious. I love this term, but it is it's a situation, for example, where um, the first day the shops open, especially in China, the Hermes shop banked $2.7 million in one day. That's so crazy. there were these queues of people uh, taking revenge on coronavirus by by spending what they've saved the last few months. Gosh. But interestingly enough, in, in China and, and Korea, generally the southeast of Asia, we saw people kind of wanting to treat themselves with something of value. So we saw that most of the queuing or most of the spending was concentrating on luxury or of things uh, uh, you know, of, of value, monetary value. Mm. And also, of course, we had the other uh, situation here in the UK on Monday when the shops opened, we saw, I don't know, I'm not sure if you've seen, I'm sure you, you have, the queues outside certain shops of outside people. Where, yeah, Primark. He's outside Primark making laugh when I turn the TV on. I Primark. Like, wow. <laughs> Primark, Nike, people fighting over uh, getting into Nike store yeah. uh, re- reminded me a bit of like Black Fridays or the first day of sales. But what I, what I would like to kind of highlight here or emphasize here is the fact that this is the first thing that opens in, in different countries, right? Store, retail stores are the first, first yes, things that open. Restaurants are. and cafes and ger- generally exper- experiential uh, places have not opened yet. So we've seen this pent-up energy being kind of directed towards going into a store, a retail store. So I would say to everyone, just hold your horses for a second before we jump into any conclusions and just keep in in mind the fact that this is the first outing. So a lot of people, of course, will want to go out and see, have like a bit of normality again, have a bit of normality and maybe going to a a shop reminds me a bit of normality. But what I always want to um, tell people to remember is that we're not sure if we're going to have how long this is going to last, if we're going to have a second peak, if we're going to have a return, if you're going to ask us to go back into into, um, uh, isolation again. So let's just hold our horses for a second. Um, However, having said that, we all know something. We all know what has changed. Uh, and what has changed is the fact that we've had more time for ourselves. We spend yes. more times with ourselves, right? So we actually have been thinking more, have been analyzing a, a bit more. We have been exposed to less advertising, have been exposed to less uh, wanting in the sense that, you know, there's no, there's no obvious push for any product right now. Yeah, we're there. not out and about. And we're not we're not being exposed physically to temptation. We can only we have to seek it, whether it's yes. social media or we're just browsing online. Um, we have to actively expose ourselves. We're not being exposed externally. Correct. And also, it's not like you walk down the street and you look at things, or you look at windows, or you look at what people are wearing. You know, there's exactly. all these kind of input and influences that are coming from just being outside. What what is definitely what definitely has changed is that. A lot of people will now uh, put themselves first. And I don't mean that in a kind of, you know, being very uh, egoistical. I'm just talking about they've, they've learned how to think about things and process things through 
having time, if you see what yes. I mean. Because most of the time, yeah. we don't have time to, to even think about how we feel, how, what we think. Yeah, so we don't engage what, with ourselves. Absolutely. So that is definitely something that is common uh, to everyone. And I think something that is going to result in changes going forward. How do you think those changes will manifest? What do you think that will mean? I think, I, I think on a long term, I had this idea of today that I wanted to talk a bit about what's happening globally with politics and with identity and uh, with race um, issues, yes. uh, which we, of course we can talk about a bit more about yeah. later. But yeah, what, what the reaction to a lot of things has showed us is that people that have the time to think and search and educate themselves about lots of different things, and especially younger people, right? Yeah. So we have seen uh, a lot of people taking a stance or having an opinion on things that before were not even on their radar. Debated. Exactly. Or exactly. out there. <laughs> exactly. So this is just an example of what I mean by people have the time to think and search and, and educate themselves about things. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and that would definitely trickle down into other things, including their choices for spending, uh, their generally, generally choices, right? Um, yes. And I believe retail and design uh, will be impacted by that new kind of mentality. Do you think they're going to have to um, be more conscientious about what they're putting out there and instead of just putting stock out for and ideas out for the sake of it, they're going to have to be much more considered about what they're producing? Do you think there's different levels of the market where fast fashion, they'll just carry on as normal? Will they step back to reconsider what they're doing or are they just going to kind of try and push out all the stock they've been sitting on? <laughs> Well, that is definitely a business decision to make, right? Yeah. However, however, I mean, I'm not, of course, I'm not going to talk about the different uh, choices or decisions lots of different types of brands and retailers are going to have to make out there, right? Uh, there's a lot of stock available, as you said. So that stock uh, will have to be shifted somehow. Yeah. Uh, but also the difficulty to shift, there will be difficulty to shift that stock will emphasize certain things. It would emphasize, first of all, that uh, this obsession of big retailers to be to have something for everyone, to act like supermarkets, for example, and not have a very strong handwriting or a very strong identity or uh, discover who their true consumer is and only design and create for them will be obvious, right? Mm. Because it will be obvious because who needs all this stock, especially when you have to sell it in less time than before? Because let's just say yeah. we open up now, how many months do we have of summer? I'm talking especially here in the UK, right? Yeah. So that naturally the thought process will, will move towards okay. designing something for like a, a longevity type of product. Trends are important and they're going to be important to kind of uh, embellish in brackets, embellish the garment, right? Yes. But what is going to become really uh, important even more is the sustainability aspect and the more kind of considered creation. And I hope 
because I think this is what the future is about. Now, I hope that even C-suite, uh, uh, our C-suite listeners out there will identify or accept the fact that creativity is needed right now, should be nourished uh, right now, and we have to think creatively to get out of this. Yeah, so design-led product or creative ideas are absolutely necessary. Interesting. And do you think that, do you think that stretches across all levels of the market? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, obviously, it's a bit easier for luxury. Or, yeah, they or, do that uh, anyway. <laughs> exactly. A higher price product is easier to have a very strong identity. It's easier to yeah. kind of communicate your message a bit better or easier. However, I think that if these big retailers want to survive, they'll need to start listening to what's happening. They definitely need to, uh, as we, we talked about this before, Fiona, just the two of us, the whole production situation with, with uh, these big retailers and the fact that everything is pushed uh, overseas. Yeah, um, yeah. Everything is, is basically, uh, de- they're depending heavily on, on suppliers. All this, this model will need to be relooked at, um, I believe. And it's very... Talking about sustainability, it's, it's not easy, but there are ways, there are things that these big retailers can do straight away, whether they have to look in, uh, into their materials, uh, maybe introducing some recycling programs, or even offsetting uh, their carbon footprint. It's as easy as that, right? So you do your calculation, what's your carbon footprint uh, in a season, and then you plant uh, trees or you invest in different um, programs across the, the globe to help offset that yeah that's interesting that would be good if that if we see an increase in that activity I think it's very important um, I've noticed actually just looking around um, out there uh, on the internet um, particularly around um, small brands we've um, recently become part of future fashion factory so we've become a member of future fashion factory who Excellent. are investments platform for um all types of innovation within the fashion industry and they partner with three major universities um i had a really interesting conversation with them this week and it's fascinating to see the increase in the creativity and innovation that's coming through which is being supported through ventures like this where people get to partner with the universities in order to drive a particular idea and then bring it to market through funding. Um, it's fascinating. And I think there is an abundance at the moment of um, incubator and emerging brands that are starting to um, kind of weave their way into the market. So mm. do you think that's going to be an area that's going to have even more opportunity following this? Absolutely. I mean, innovation has gotten us out of, of recessions before. Yeah. Uh, the, the biggest companies out there currently, you know, currently big companies out there were created during recessions. They just looked into, uh, you know, what the needs of the people were back then and just basically put all their effort into developing brand new ideas. Don't forget how, how young Netflix is, right? But yet yes. Netflix right now is one of the biggest 
you know, biggest providers of entertainment in the world. I mean, I don't like mentioning names, but I think Netflix is almost like but we need to because TV now. Yeah, <laughs> but we need to because if we don't say what we're talking about, there's no context for people. Absolutely. And it's been amazing because they brought a whole new level of production um, to the small screen. That yeah, they thought about had, they they brought a movie approach and it's, yeah. it's revolutionized television almost, didn't it? And then everybody else has had to Absolutely. raise their game. <laughs> Absolutely. Think about it. They were, we, what we used to do before Netflix, we used to go out and, and basically take out a couple of movies we'd like to watch yeah. from a local, uh, you know, movie, movie store or, you know, rent a couple of things, a couple of tapes. That's how old I am. I remember tapes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but it's the series, isn't it? It's the, yes. I think it's the, um, you know, it's the actual TV series that they've made where they've brought a movie-style production to absolutely, those mini-series that's made a difference. Yeah, but it's all convenient. It's the availability. Yeah. It's a con- constant gratification. The thought about, yeah. look what social media is doing. Instant, right? It's instant. So it's how can we use that model for entertainment? I mean, it's just yeah. it's ingenious. But that's what I mean. There's definitely now time for innovation. So it's great it's great to have furloughed schemes. It's great to have support by governments globally uh, to business. It's absolutely necessary. But also the next step, I believe, will be how do we help promote and push innovation across all the industries, especially in our industry, Fiona. So it will be interesting to see which exactly. It will be interesting to see which government takes uh, on this um, you know, challenge. Definitely, because also when we were when we were when we were chatting in the last um, episode, we talked about the most effective way to be influential in a team, and you said it's by being knowledgeable, having solutions, being approachable, um, with better collaboration, and being humane, so that there's so that you're driving loyalty. How do you think this is going to play out in our new working from home world, and particularly where people have been furloughed? Perhaps they're coming off furlough or maybe they're being made redundant. How important are those um, are those traits and parameters in terms of what happens next? Oh, it's going to be very challenging. It's <laughs> going to be very challenging. Um, oh, dear. <laughs> okay, okay. Let's just take the, first of all, let's just divide and conquer. <laughs> let's just take first... <laughs> Uh, like the people who are conquering. yes yes it's interesting to see a bit of insight into how my brain works <laughs> so um, let's just think first about the people who ha- haven't been furloughed they're still working but they're working from home yes and let's think about those three parameters right uh, the um, being knowledgeable being approachable being humane um being knowledgeable, I mean, I've already mentioned this before, but we have time right now to read more, even train ourselves in things that we're not trained before, uh, get educated about things. And also we have the time to discover digital tools which are solutions to yes. help us gather this knowledge. So that is covered. Also, this being knowledgeable is uh, the education part, the training part can work for people who are currently furloughed. What an amazing opportunity to do a course or learn something you always wanted to learn. A new language, for example. We have to be more agile. We have to be more, uh, you know, kind of mobile for for the future, right? Um, You might find a job in a different country. 
Um, so that is a great opportunity for everyone to beef up, you know, beef up their, their CVs and beef up their uh, experience. With regards to approachable and humane, we moved all our um, communication, I'm talking about not business, right? We, yes. you know, work, work communication yes. online, online. How adaptable are we? Straight away, like ducks to the water, Zoom, straight away, right? We Zoomed it, we, we got in touch, <laughs> we, we, we talk um, about things um, quickly. Uh, that was easy. However, what is very important I want to emphasize is something I, I always like to do with my team, have meetings that are not about work on Zoom. And, it's, and that was going to lead into my next question because I was going to ask you, how do we blend the need for human interaction with our work from home model to effectively drive the creative vision? And do you think that's one of the ways of doing that? Yes, yes. Uh, more communication, more is needed. Right now, we don't have the face-to-face -face communication that, uh, and the kind of interaction with other human beings, physic physical interaction that inspires and aspires, right, ideas. Yeah. Uh, but we do have to have more of these uh, online meetings. And if you, we're talking specifically about work, they don't only have to be about project or talk about work. You have just to talk about general, other things. Just talking in general, just that human bonding. Absolutely. Great, great yeah. opportunity. Look what's happening in the world right now. Talk about yeah, it. Absolutely. Talk about it. What do you Better think? Yeah. Exactly. Cross-generationally as well, management yes. with interns, with uh, not interns because obviously they're not part of the, but you know what I mean, like younger uh, members yeah, of the team. The junior members of the team. Have a chat. Do all these silly things that a lot of companies have implemented, like drinks on Fridays, you know, over Zoom or, yeah. you know, cooking and exchanging recipes. And just, it's nice to build this team. Yeah. What I, I want to, Fiona, I want to be very positive. Uh, generally, I'm a very, uh, I'm a realist. And sometimes I do have a very pessimistic approach to things. <laughs> so that's, I, I had a lot of uh, time to think and I decided okay. that this, uh, situation is a great opportunity for me to be more positive. Yeah. So I'm going to stop lamenting what I've lost, right? And <laughs> kind of celebrate it, celebrate uh, what I have gained. Uh, I, I don't have to commute anymore. So I have more time for, for, for myself, as I That's said. That's nice. Look after uh, our well being, think about our well being. This is something we talk about with the team a lot. Uh, it's very yes. important now to connect to nature. I haven't had so many walks in my life in London. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that from so many people. Six-hour walks. Um, wow. The other day I went, uh, I walked all the way. I can't even I can't remember. It was so far away. I, I, I remember getting tired because I live in central, I live in um, around Old Street, right? And I walked yeah. all the way to uh, High High Street, Kensington. At that point, wow. yeah, at that point, I was like, I am feeling a bit tired now. But anyway, <laughs> it's all about doing things that you can instead of thinking about yeah. what you cannot do. Um, you told me you were doing that. I'd have come and met you because I'm in Ealing. So I could have walked from... I Absolutely. Next time. West, yeah, west to east. We could have met halfway. <laughs> Absolutely. It was like, uh, you know, something very spontaneous. It was me kind of kind <laughs> of cabin, cabin fever. Cabin fever and just yeah. walked. Yeah. But I also, I also wanted to see um, 
the retail environment in complete shutdown. So yeah. I walked through, you know, like Covent Garden, I walked through like uh, what Regent was it Street. Like? It was something like, I don't know if you guys or you have watched 12 Days. Is it 12 Days Later? Is it 12 oh, Days no, Later? Is it 60 yeah. Days Later? Yeah. I don't remember the title of the movie, like the zombie movie, right? Yeah. Completely empty. I Everything. Like zombie movies. <laughs> Is my guilty pleasure. Let's quickly <laughs> move on. <laughs> yes, oh quickly gosh. move on. Yeah, let's move on. That's just not good. Um, that won't be healthy every... pessimism. No, no. You see? <laughs> You're feeding it's not coming out. It's coming out. Uh, everything boarded up, everything uh, empty. Really? Uh, luxury shops were either boarded up or uh, or completely empty, which just gives wow. a really terrible, terrible feel right yeah i mean it's funny you should say that we i, I went with my mom to chiswick on sunday and mm. i haven't been to chiswick for quite some time and um so like you know for me 10 minutes up the road in the car and we decided we were going to go to um chiswick house and walk through the grounds we have both haven't been there for years and it was really beautiful it was really nice a really gorgeous day we had a lovely walk exploring the grounds of chiswick park but afterwards we went to the high streets and it was really interesting to see who was open and who wasn't open fascinating and like fascinating. some stores that literally had no merchandise inside um uh which i just mint velvet was completely empty like they'd taken all the merchandise out and I was like, wow. So I, well, I, I don't what know. Did you, what did you feel when you saw that? What did you feel? I'm very interested on a personal uh, I was a level. bit shocked, actually. I was, I was like, are you closing down? Are you closing this store? Are you coming back? You know, those three things went through, were the first things that went through my mind because most of the stores have left all their merchandise inside and you would have thought would be preparing to reopen this week. So I was very mm. surprised to see that store with nothing in it. So whether or not they've just decided to close that particular branch, I don't know. But yeah, I was just shocked. But the it's high street good was, look. was busy. The high street was busy. I mean, there were a lot of people. Were yeah, people, big, buy, people buying? Yeah, it's a big residential area. I mean, all that mm. was open on Sunday were um, the supermarkets, Nature Intended, um, Waitrose, M&S, mm, mm. um, what else was open? I think Boots, you know, the essential stores were all that was open. So I'll have to now go back now that everything else has reopened to see what it looks like. I did drive mm. up there yesterday and there was a horrendous traffic jam. So I actually just spun it and came back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I always ask about this. Uh, I ask all my friends, what, what, do, they, what do you feel? What, what do you think when you look at these yeah. empty stores? Uh, because or boarded up stores because I, I know that a lot of these brands and retailers decided to protect their stock just in case someone decided to break in and steal oh. whatever but it gives this really bad idea and I'm talking about creativity and innovation how amazing would it be for a big retailer to have the VM team change windows every week right because so many people are walking we yes. all walk people who never walked in their lives are walking that's right and change your your uh covid whatever window change with with uh, stock i understand it's difficult with with you know like deliveries you can, roll, guideline. you can roll out guidelines easily though you can just create a visual exactly. usually they do anyway because they're reacting to the weather so it's not too difficult to especially in this country you're often mm. having to react to the weather so it's suddenly gonna like we're gonna have a heat wave next week this this coming week so I'm yep. sure they're all going to want their like ultra light summer stuff in the windows. But, you know, if you then get a day of rain, suddenly you've got to like whip that off 
the mannequin yeah. to stick something yeah, up. Just show some movement, show some life, that show way. some a thought process, show someone who's actually thinking about yeah. the future instead of like, oh, we're shut right now because we have to, and you know, yeah. which of course I understand, but we're talking especially about the big, big retailers. Absolutely, uh, the less this is what I, this is what I meant by yeah. being more creative and more kind of aware of, of situations. Yeah. So rather than just sort of you know plonking themselves down, going here we are, they're actually in, they're actually interacting with the community and what's going on around them mm. instead of just you know sitting there doing nothing. Mm. Is what Absolutely. you're saying. Is what you're saying. Yeah. Exactly. No, I completely get that. I think that's a really really valid point. Um, and I guess it just comes down to one of the things that we've discovered during lockdown is that we are a lot more adaptable. Two of your learnings when we spoke last time were working with people in positions of power requiring vision, yet they had none, and people in positions requiring knowledge, which they thought they had, but they didn't. That really struck me, actually, because I think, my goodness, how many times have I come across that in the industry and how many times have I heard those stories from Mm. candidates or even clients and it creates so much frustration um, because everything comes down to people and I feel like we we are we about, you know my question is are we about to discover that we are a lot more adaptable and thrive on a challenge and does that then mean that COVID will actually shake up the pack and where those situations were occurring they now maybe won't because organizations will take a bit more responsibility and take an opportunity if they have got people in positions where for whatever reason the job's not working for them or they're not into the job will they make a change what do you think hope so big exclamation mark i absolutely hope yeah. so uh it's obvious that we are adaptable it's obvious to me um you know we uh quickly accepted the situation and tried to work around I mean, it we- right we actually accepted it faster than the government because we all saw we were <laughs> yes. all glued to the TV. We were all watching what was going on in Europe. We all got scared. And, exactly. you know, two weeks before lockdown actually officially came in, beginning of March, everybody had started working from home. Correct. Correct. Yeah, because no one wanted to get on the tube. I think the tube in London had a, played a big part in that, where mm. the last thing you wanted to do was be on a packed tube train. Correct. Absolutely. And, but you know talking about that those people like you know the people you just described yeah. i'm gonna put them aside for now okay. um <laughs> because yeah i'm gonna pack them <laughs> put pack them aside them for off, now send them off. <laughs> yeah because you know i mean some you know okay let me just say this let's be let's be the positive let's do positive yes thinking. let's do positivity go on then <laughs> let's, do, let's be positive <laughs> what have what have I realized through my the, the last three months of Zoom business? Yes. There are other platforms available, of course. Not of only course. Zoom. <laughs> you know. Uh, <laughs> it's just we're all glued to Zoom for some reason. It's just easy. We've all learned how to right? do it. We're just thinking. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. So what has what have I realized or what have people and it's interesting because people have started talking about this. Charisma is very important, you know, in your work. Absolutely. And unfortunately for some of the people who don't have the charisma, 
the harsh reality of a Zoom window, as you know, Fiona, um, doesn't allow them to hide. It doesn't allow them to hide anywhere. So no. all these inefficiencies are coming up. People are picking up on the fact that, oh, um, there's not much meat on that bone after all. <laughs> no, you know what kind of people I'm talking about. I do. Um, you need to prove that you have what it takes. Yes. Especially now. Because you can, you know, you can. You need to inject a bit of your personality and a bit of Correct. a sense of humor, don't you? Because if there's no office, there's no office politics, it's not easy to have what you used to have, the, yeah. cool, the, the water cooler moments, the, uh, you know, stirring up things, the, you know, all these things that have been negative. What you're saying is that you can't be a troublemaker at home. You could, but it's more difficult, okay. much more difficult. No because hide. the harsh reality of Zoom, I'm going to trademark that, the harsh reality of Zoom window doesn't show up, shows up your inefficiencies. That's what I'm going to say. Right. Okay. <laughs> so all these people who don't have what it takes or they don't have anything new to bring to the table or they're holding back these innovative ideas are obvious. And yes. I would like to ask decision makers who maybe are listening to our podcast right now to put that thinking cap on when they're having these meetings and see who is a team player because it's very clear right now who is a twin player yeah who has things to offer who has things to uh new ideas to uh kind of uh, suggest and who is going to be able to implement these new ideas this is yeah. an opportunity how yeah. did you like my positive message i think that's very very good <laughs> excellent i think that that's a very valid um it's a very very valid point that decision makers get involved in the zoom calls and they and they look at these things. They look at who's really contributing, um, and they also encourage people. You know, give people every opportunity to contribute. But if they if they don't, or if they're still on, you know, if they're still having their water cooler moments at home, then you know, there's an opportunity to think about how you shape your team. So, and should you then make changes? Should you then consider um, bringing different people in? Or absolutely redistributing responsibilities uh, within the existing team um, in order to combat that because it has to always be, I just think workplaces should always be about driving positivity. Mm. The last thing anybody wants are people that are insecure and therefore causing disruptions based on their insecurities. Correct, correct. The yeah. reset pattern has been pushed we said this before, and this is a great time for uh, decision makers to step decide up. what step up, <laughs> what kind of team do you need, and also listen to the experts. This is the this is the the most positive okay. thing that came out of the whole experience with COVID is the fact that we returned, we went back to the experts, right? We're yeah. listening to them again now. So experts like yourself help them create a team that is going to be necessary for the next station there in, yeah in their, visionary you know, with absolutely. a can-do attitude and who are really focused on driving absolutely. the mission of the business but also evolving it because nothing is static so you've always got to be focused on how you evolve things so i think that's um, mm. that's key and you know it's funny i just over the years of of doing working within you know recruitment and consultancy i think one of the biggest learnings that's come out from for me is that 
ability of um, business uh, of decision makers and leaders to really engage. And the mm. more you engage, the more effective you get to be. I think the Liam Fong story, um, when I was talking to Naeem in one of um, our previous um, episodes, mm. was really fascinating. And he was telling the stories of the um, CEO of Liam Fong and how engaged he is at all levels of the business. And he actively networks across the business, introduces people across the business. It's all about driving newness and creating opportunity. So where he sees somebody's got a certain skill set, he's all about promoting that. And I think that was a, a truly inspiring conversation because it's such a big, big organisation. But how he operates at a local level within it is fascinating. Absolutely. That's incredible, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. this is team building. Team building. It sounds a bit and like in, new age but... And you're talking across continents. You're not talking in one office. Correct. You're talking continents. So, and, you know, seeing how um, a skill set in the States might be really valuable for a factory in um, China or India, it's, mm. it's incredible. Um, and just hearing those stories, I thought was really inspiring. So yeah, and you can do that on you can do that with any level business, but it's about those people at the top kind of stepping in and engaging. That's the thing that's really important. That was my doorbell. Oh, um, I said a delivery. Somebody's at the door. So luckily, my neighbours downstairs have answered the door. So there we go. That was lucky. <laughs> Good job, neighbours. <laughs> yeah. Well, we it's just all the time. It'll probably be Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> yeah constant constant amazon delivery constant amazon i know so um anyway yeah it'll be very interesting to see whether um zoom actually brings organizations closer together from top to bottom well, they'll need they have to want it first right they, they need to they need to they need to understand that this is a brand new situation yeah they do. Let's adapt to it and let's just maybe if I don't have the tools that I need right now to deal with it, maybe I should get those tools. What does that mean? Is it new people? Is it new training? What is it? Yeah. Is it a new way of, of collaboration? Is it a new way of, you know, whatever it's necessary for the next uh, chapter? Yeah, totally. Absolutely. It'll be interesting to see if they go out and seek that externally, which often is a much more effective way of doing it because then you get an outside perspective, which helps. So I agree. I agree. Yeah. I mean, I do a lot, lot of the good work I do is with, is looking at out from the outside in with companies to just, you just see little things that can make a difference. And I absolutely. And you know what, Fiona, I think expertise like yours, um, generally people who can look at the bigger picture, uh, because there's this obsession with certain brands that they only hire certain type of, of, of people. They have to have certain type of background before they're yes. actually hired and be considered. This yeah. is where you, this is not, this is not going to work going forward. So this is where people like yourself come in and suggest things outside the box. Yes. Right? Think, consider this candidate, trust me, trust me on this, you know, and you bring newness, you new, you just new way of, of looking at things. Absolutely, because it's it's often more about attitude than specific skills. Depends, mm -hmm. on, depends on the job, depends on what it is. Of course, you know, of course. It requires trained expertise in a particular area. That's one thing. But sometimes um, there are there are compromises that 
you can make or sometimes there are things I think when people are hiring they get very fixed on certain elements of a role but people it comes back to the same thing I always say that everyone brings a unique blend of experience but Mm. unique no one has got the same two sets of skills and it's about um giving people an opportunity so if they tick most of your boxes and they've got the right attitude and they're really focused and driven and they're smart individuals give it a go you know Mm. what's the worst thing that can happen it's not going to work out on your part ways but mostly if you're making an educated decision about something um and the right and the expectations have been managed on both sides all the way down the line you're setting up um a recipe for success Mm, absolutely i agree yeah so it's just about having that regular communication and both parties really understanding what the other one wants Mm. so Mm. yeah no it's uh it's interesting um and i loved your comments when we were talking before about being human and understanding as people have lives and your thoughts on micromanagement which doesn't allow for someone to flourish because i thought i think that's something that i see that comes up a lot Mm. said that as vanity places the emphasis on the goal on the end goal and takes the team away from being it takes them away from being a team player which is so true um so now more than ever it is really important that we how we champion um the cause and help one another to focus on our strengths and improve our weaknesses is kind of really crucial isn't it particularly in this uh working from home moment absolutely Absolutely, 100%. Do I have a virtual highlighter to highlight how important collaboration and champion, championing one another is? I mean, yeah. I'm moving my hand like highlights thing. People can't <laughs> see me. Uh, it is probably the most important thing right now. Uh, collaboration and mutual understanding yeah. necessarily needed. I mean, Jesus Christ, look at what's happening across the board all over the world. Look at the state of politics right now. Look what's happening, you know, just because yeah. we don't have, uh, we don't championing, we don't champion one another, we don't collaborate, we don't understand, we don't respect, we don't, all these different words that I'm using. It's very important, uh, Fiona, I really believe in this collaboration for the future. Um, if I have to choose one key word, um, one key concept to concentrate is this collaboration. We've seen we've seen it happening. Uh, I mean, we can talk about examples in our industry, right, or in retail or in in, in consumer goods. Uh, some amazing, fantastic ideas. Um, what, what what springs to mind? What what have you seen? Yeah, I mean, there is a company, a coffee company that also sells non dairy milk called Minor Figures. I've used them during this uh, lockdown. Uh, Minor Figures had this amazing idea, which is what convinced me to go with them and not with someone else, that uh, part of my order would be donated to a local cafe of my choice. So all these cafes were shut. So what they would do is give 10%, I believe, or 15%, I don't remember the percentage now, to uh, the one I chose, which was a local one around the corner from me. So I knew that my choice was helping someone else's uh, business. business. But for me, it was important because it's part of my neighborhood, it's part of my, you know, my circle. But if you're going to look at more, like, bigger picture stuff, uh, what comes to mind, which is actually quite uh, current with um, Pride Month, June, it's AMI, 
by Alexander Matiusi, the brand created uh, the Rainbow Collection. So this Rainbow Collection gives 100% of the proceeds, 100%, not profit, not percentage, 100% of what you spend goes to GLAAD, which is a non-profit media advocacy uh, organization. And their mission is to accelerate the acceptance of the LGBTQ community. So just by buying a T-shirt or a cap or whatever, um, you actually help a course 100%. So gone are the days of saying, uh, ASOS has done it with NHS T-shirts during the yes. lockdown, remember? But that yes. was just a percentage. That was a percentage. To, which is great. It's not, I'm not, I'm not, Judging that is great. It's a great uh, cause, but let's move a bit forward. The big people, big people like us, as you can afford a production of a thousand t-shirts, but everything goes to, for, to a cause, right? Yeah, um, yeah. So we definitely need more collaborations. And I'm not to- in, in fashion industry, and I'm not talking about trainers, right? No. <laughs> I'm talking about outside the box collaborations, brands okay. that have different expertise, bring them together, whether it's exchange of people need to stop being so precious about their manufacturing, um, you know. It's really using the voice of fashion, using fashion as a medium to drive a cause. It's really putting the power in the hands of the people. It's the people being able to express their voice through their retail choices. Correct. So we, I, I just mentioned literally three different types of collaboration that can happen immediately and that can make a difference. Uh, You know, uh, that's, I believe, very important right now to consider ourselves. When I say ourselves, I mean the companies and the brands consider themselves. um, Where do they sit in society? And what do they do? What do they offer? What do they uh, contribute uh, because the, the days of constant take, which is about me giving you a T-shirt and I'm getting your money, are not necessarily going to continue for too long. People are going to start questioning about the brand's uh, stand. So it's really the power is with the people. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. And I think we see that with um, the situation that just happened with um, the free school meals and um and i've forgotten his name um the footballer, the footballer right yeah. we're like football is not our <laughs> i know so while we're talking about it i'm gonna now have to look his name good for you because I, I'm, I'm hopeless so i wouldn't be able to even you know yeah no i've got to find it marcus rushford um, what go. marcus rushford did um in using his platform to champion free school meals getting everyone behind that and it shows you the power of the people. It takes one person with a big following to use the power of a sport to then do something that was really close to his heart through his own childhood experiences and, you know, force a change at government level was fantastic. Yeah. And it's, it's similar with what we're just talking about. You know, the power is very much with the people. And, you know, if we want to see change, we can we can influence that we have influence absolutely there's nowhere to hide fiona not with um, social media nowhere to hide if i mention a couple of of instagram accounts for example the global the global fashion exchange calling out all the brands during the covid um you know 
lockdown, the COVID um, situation. I've talked as if it's over, but you know what I mean. You know, <laughs> during these last couple of months, yeah. calling out brands for their behavior. Those brands who canceled orders with their suppliers last minute just because they had to shut shop, totally unacceptable. People have been, uh, you know, factories uh, across the world have, you know, bought the fabric and materials. The people were there. Yeah, why should they be? Why should they be left with the goods? Exactly. So retailers have to work with them to reach a, a fair decision on what's best for all parties they can't expect them to take the full responsibility in a situation that you know no one unacceptable unacceptable they were called out and a lot of brands and retailers yeah actually backed down and accepted the deliveries and rightly so Uh, how wrong that they how wrong that that had to happen that they had to be called out that they didn't have the good sense nowhere to hide nowhere to hide yeah and Diet Prada, other, partners. yeah, Diet Prada, another uh, Instagram account right now. I mean, it's been, it's been always running commentary on, on fashion, right? Diet Prada, but recently has taken on the Black Lives Matter situation, calling out all these different brands out there who just, you know, jumped on the bandwagon, had a, bit, a couple of black windows in the Instagram account or saying Black Lives Matter, but it's calling them out. So what are you doing about it? How many black people do you have on your board? You know, what have you, what is your actual um, contribution to the cause? Constantly, uh, brands are being called out for their racist decisions in the past. Yeah, so what I'm trying yeah. to say is this, this, this transparency right now, um, that is very difficult for a brand to, almost like a minefield. <laughs> brands yes. don't know what to do because they're always being called out for things. So it's important to remember. That's why I said you need to understand what's your position in this structure, this environment, this kind of situation, this uh, society. Definitely. And I think it's really, it's so important. There's a level playing field for everybody. You can't, you you cannot judge people based on anything. People are people. You take them as you find them. Exactly. Exactly. We're all, we're all different. We're all unique. And it doesn't matter what colour your skin is. It's, it doesn't matter what religious background you come from. You have to take people as you find them. Um, it's so, so important. And it's really, really good that this has come to light. And Absolutely. we can only hope that it has um, a really profound effect across the world and really encourages brands and employers and everyone to really think carefully about um, how fair their uh hiring policies are how they look to make sure they've got a really strong cross-section of people employed in their businesses you know within the scope of the countries in which they live Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's it's representative yeah there's a fear that uh diversity is going to become the new sustainability what do i mean by that is like a lot of brands uh, have already started creating these positions for diversity uh, advocates or diversity directors uh, so they look in internally uh, and also you know the communication as well um, you know this kind of diversity and equality issues and I say there's a fear that it will become uh, the new sustainability the, the, the new greenwashing because a lot of brands have created these positions about sustainability right yeah uh, but what but this I don't I understand why people are being cynical about it um, because what has this new position of, of, of greenwashing brackets, this new position of um, sustainability, 
an environment uh, within big institutions has showed or has done is that it's created processes for these big animals, these big kind of retailers to consider their part of, of you know, their uh, part of how they impact the environment, right? So there's yes. only positive things that can come out of this. Absolutely. And it's about taking responsibility, as you very rightly mentioned. Mm. And I guess my sort of final question is, you, we talked about large-scale brands and retailers um, experiencing big disruption, which we are, which we're definitely seeing with the likes of Debenhams, Monsoon, and a host of other businesses. We saw this week that um, Warehouse and Oasis have been bought by Boohoo. So I have two questions: How can these very large-scale retailers innovate to move forward and create a more advanced collaboration model? Do you think that some will inevitably disappear and who will rise up in their place? Mm. Wow, Fiona. Sorry, it's a bit of a, a, bit of a long one, that, isn't Where it? do I, Details. yeah, well, Where it's not start? that. It's, it's, <laughs> it's not that. It's, it's literally, we are literally thinking outside the box here. Okay. Big boys, how do they innovate? We all know it's not their strongest uh, characteristic, no, right? Innovation. <laughs> Collaboration, even worse. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I, and I don't, I'm not th- thinking about, you know, designer, famous no, designer. No, no. Sh- the designer teams are amazing. And it's, you know, and, and I interrupt this, I interrupt what you're about to say there with this. Yeah. Um, one of my other guests is um, Kate Crossy, mm. who was the ex-head of design uh, for accessories footwear and resort wear at mm. Devon's. And Kate is one of the most. She has an exceptional eye. She has. She's so super talented. Mm. And of course, they've all been let go. And she said, if only the uh, if we had more of a free hand, we were not quite so constrained and could have got our vision as we saw it out to the shop floor. It 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 would have made a difference. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But you know, how do big boys turn this around? Can they turn this around? Okay, let's just break it down. <laughs> you know, um, a couple of things, maybe four points on this. The first of all, they need to start thinking locally. Yeah. What do I mean by that? Uh, they, we all, we've all rediscovered our locality, our neighborhoods, our areas, our cities, our towns. So what these big boys need to think is that each one of their doors, each one of their stores need to take that into consideration. What does the local consumer need from us? Um, Because, uh, you know, it's important to know who your client is, but also what's really important is that they need to think locally, but don't forget the global aspect. Why? Because as consumers, we think about the global input, right? We think about our our, our trips abroad, what's happening in different territories and so forth. So what they need to do is edit the global via a more kind of local approach. That is definitely very important. I know it sounds very abstract, but I can spend hours talking about this, but I'm just going to let it out there. Just going to rest it there for a second. What they also need to do, and it's super important, and it actually links back to what you just said, they need to prioritize design. Mm. This is how, this is where the mistake is happening. We've been saying this for years. Oh my God, how many years have we been saying this? Having for over a decade about how it's like watching is to be design led. 
watching a car crash yeah. slow motion and then what happens in so many of these big businesses is that the technical department um do not interpret things or don't want to interpret things in the way that the designers would truly like the designers just aren't up for the, aren't necessarily up for the fight or realize it's pointless um and so you know can only go so far with things merchandising plays a part in, in lots of these organizations in driving what um what will come what what's what mix of stock will be out on the shop floor and so slowly slowly the design vision gets eroded <laughs> absolutely and hence the the term, term i give them supermarkets right and i don't yeah. mean fashion that is available in supermarkets i'm talking about big retailers the likes of debenhams we can talk about debenhams as an example yeah uh, that was had no point of difference had nothing fresh or new to offer uh offering a bit of everything to everyone yeah was I, not the right model yeah it was almost like a lottery you go in there and say oh maybe i'll find something today but who has time to go and 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 play lottery if they're looking for something to buy I mean, if you think there's it's 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 a golden opportunity to do such interesting things at the moment where a brand like debenhams if i were in if i were running that i would rename mm. it give it a modern name reinvent it from the top down and take advantage of all the different areas of British manufacturing. You could mm. do all sorts of capsules. You could showcase some of the really clever, innovative small brands that are coming up. That's what department stores always used to be about back in the day before mm. they started taking um, the major retailers into them, which have already got their own stores. So they completely cancelled themselves out, um, which I never understood. If they had focused on... Um, remaining true to the cause and showcasing some of the amazing small brands that are out there. Happy days. You can still produce some of your own stuff, but you you need to do it in a much more educated way and really Absolutely. think about what matters to the consumer. And a perfect opportunity there would have been to showcase some of the made in Britain brands. And there's so many of them. There's mm. loads and loads. And you Absolutely. could do it across sportswear, across... Um, fashion accessories fear yeah they're they're thinking about volume all the time and actually there are ways of working around the volume situation Mm. and there are ways of of thinking about how to do that maybe you alternate brands in different seasons there's so many ways that you can you can work around that you don't need to be driving a particular brand you let the brand operate at whatever pace it wants to operate at. And maybe it's only there for one season. Maybe, you know, it comes in, it sells out and then you, you alternate it with, you rotate it with somebody else. Mm. And the consumer knows and the consumer's like, great, can't wait for them to come back. And then they're waiting to what they're watching, waiting for when it's going to reemerge. So there's Absolutely. so many clever things that you can do. Absolutely. Fear and complacency is just killed the high street. Yeah. Uh, A chase you know, of profit. Yeah. But they're not. But they're not Um, understanding that it has to. It can't come from what you know. It has to come from newness, and you've therefore got to create the space for that and be brave and and do things that maybe don't make sense if you're Mm. selling food in the supermarket. Absolutely. Because they're trying to make that supermarket model of food work in clothing, and it doesn't. Yeah, absolutely. Because I'm sorry, but a t-shirt is not a carton of milk. That's right. <laughs> you know, it's not. And I think you know the the people that do this so cleverly are Zara, 
you constantly reinvent what they constantly reinvent. It's newness, newness all the time. Newness all the time. You yeah. you don't know what to get. That you go go in the same store twice a week and it's something completely different. Yeah. Moving things around all the time, introducing new lines all the time. Uh, but as we said, there's a lot of work to be done. And big boys, the problem with big boys is that they're not very agile, right? Yeah. They're not very quick to react. Um, and especially, especially when it takes to what is important for consumers. And it's a big mistake to think that just because you sell clothes, the only voice you have is about fashion. Um, new consumers, especially younger consumers, are expecting um, everyone to have an opinion about what's happening within society, right? They're, experience, yes. they're expecting to have a point of you know, reference. have a, a, a reference when it comes Very to identity. to see those values reflect. Politics. They go into these old department Correct. stores. Correct. And it's like something out of, you know. Like you don't know where you are. You could be anywhere in the yeah. world. What is that? What is that all about? isn't it? Exactly. And it's great to celebrate Mother's Day and Father's Day. Fantastic. Absolutely great. We sell more stock. But there are other things out there happening in the world uh, let's just take them and turn them into an opportunity or have an opinion about them. Younger people specifically um, right now are challenging these traditional models of education. Um, the, social media and the internet ha- helps them to get themselves educated about you know, things that challenge, that question things, uh, that question this mainstream consciousness all the time. Um, you know, they're they're really, world. They want to shape yeah. the world that they're coming into. Absolutely. They want to play an active role. They want to see their life and their energy and the unique skills they have, regardless of Absolutely. their background, make a difference. It's funny. I don't know if you've I'm just going to mention something. I don't know if you uh, if you ever watched Queer Eye on Netflix. Yeah, with, with I've seen bits five. of it. Yeah. yeah. So there was this episode in the new season with this young girl. I want to say twenty years old. Okay. Anxious. She's she's a climate advocate. She's a climate uh, advocate, and she's so anxious about how important uh, you know, the environment is. And it's almost like the girl is almost like having a nervous breakdown because wow. she has so many things to do and so little time. Wow. And that oh, I'm mentioning that just because I want to sh- This wasn't Greta about... Thunberg, was it? Pardon? It wasn't Greta Thunberg, the Swedish um, girl. No, the no, no. Swedish... This is this is like a, a makeover, a makeover of this girl. Okay. Uh, but I'm mentioning it because it comes across to an old bag like myself. You're not <laughs> As... old. But you know what I mean. Like, oh my God, why is she so exaggerating? Why is she going out and have fun? But take a moment, just a moment and think, because these things are important to younger people. Yeah, they are. Because they they want to see a sustainable world and it all comes back down to sustainability, looking after the planet. And I think, you know, something that we touched on previously, one of the things that's been amazing about this lockdown period is the opportunity to reflect and slow down. You know, we've all been on this hamster wheel and where's it going? You know, I don't think anyone wants to go back to a manic, manic pace of life. Mm, Um, If you've been in a situation where you've been furloughed or you've, you've literally had, you've been forced to work from home Mm. and your whole pace of, of life has changed. You suddenly, as you were saying before, you tune back into yourself. You suddenly have time for you. And then that makes you a better and more effective contributor to, mm. to the world and to your employer 
and to your family because you've actually got some quality me time. Correct. Absolutely. These yeah. are all ideas that the big boys would need to think about. But also, if we're more more specific about business, uh, I think, and maybe this is one of the last points I want to make about the big point, the big boys, is that they need to properly understand what merging the online with offline means. Yes. Um, uh, Zara, we've talked about Zara. What a bad example is giving us right now with the with the whole idea of merging online with offline. What do I mean by that? Zara had had 95% year-on-year increase in April, 95% of their online sales. And that resulted in them thinking, we don't need to open every single shop. So 1,200 shops they have are not going to be open going forward. Uh, That's one choice. That's a complete, I think Zara is missing the point there. Um, It's very important for these big boys to connect the two, the online client with the offline client. They need to merge it. They need to have a seamless uh, process. And an uh, amazing example is the online store called Très Bien. It's a a French, um, I think it's based in France, or maybe it's based in Scandinavia somewhere, but it's called Très Bien anyway. And and what they've been doing through uh, the lockdown is having virtual tours of their store. So they had experts inside to talk to people on Zoom about explaining the material of the garment, uh, the, the design detail of the garment. So it was a proper shopping experience by an ex helping you, an expert helping you. So they were merging the broken, uh, you know, the brick and mortar situation with with the online, and that would Sorry, result at the know. end. Of course, that would result at the end into um, a sale. But then, okay, who, how, who will, who will live through this? Who will survive this? Definitely, 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 smaller setups. Yeah. These massive stores we see on Oxford Street. I fear for them. I do yeah. fear for them. They're a lot of closed, Ooh. haven't they? There's of a course. lot of empty store space. I noticed that last time I was up there, which of was course. before lockdown, and I was really shocked at how many empty large units there are of course because expensive friends right who how how on earth how much product yeah constantly like shoving in there and then and then do you remember a few years ago you walk down oxford street you have house of fraser debenhams john lewis department stores next to each other yeah all of them selling the same brands yeah and i'm just thinking I was just thinking how, why, how much. How I mean, do they survive? I know. So <laughs> All these question marks. So yeah. who is going to survive this? Yeah. Middle-sized, for sure. People, who, uh, people like companies and retailers who will be offering the personal touch. Yeah. They need to train properly employees. You need the personal touch. Yes. Um, more tactile uh, experience. Yeah. You have to be relevant and sen- and 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 uh, sensitive to what's going on. Going back to what we just talked about, uh, being aware of what's happening in society, being informed, being agile. We talked about that as well. Of yeah. course, you have to be quick to react to what's happening. Uh, you have to have a sustainable message. You have to prioritize your community. And the experience this community is having within your within your store, all these are very important if you want to continue uh, 
uh, going forward. Okay, that's, that's a sound for a positive message. I but, think you that's know, there's And I think that's a really good note to wrap it up on because I think those are, I think agility, sustainability and prioritising your community really reflects um, mm. what people want. And I think that's a brilliant note on which to wrap this up. Um, Amazing. No doubt we'll revisit at some point in the future. We'll see where the land lies in a few months' time and maybe mm. we'll have another conversation and Absolutely. see where sure. things are at. So because we'll have a bit more we'll have had a bit more data, we'll have seen a bit more um in terms of stores reopening and how things are starting to pan out. So we'll have a bit more data. So it'll be really interesting to see yes, how absolutely. this how it evolves. So we'll continue this conversation. <laughs> that would be great. I'll be watching and monitoring the situation for yes. sure. It's so exciting to see what's happening right now. Absolutely. No, it's fantastic. Thank you so much for today. Pleasure. It was great to see you again. A lovely way to spend my Saturday morning. I've enjoyed it. Abs- yes, me too. Yeah, Thank you so much. Always good. Thank you. Pleasure. See you soon. See you soon. Bye. Bye bye. If you enjoyed this episode, join me next time when I will be speaking with Lisa Miller about her journey from Dewhurst to Lululemon, where she is at the forefront of fabric and product innovation. If you are enjoying the series, hit the subscribe button to receive notifications on upcoming episodes, where you'll get to hear first-hand insights from across the global fashion and creative industries.